The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is our NFL Week 1 betting preview I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague and the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky. Stuck, we made it. It's week one. We're here. Sundays are almost back, baby. I could not be more excited. Oh, yeah. Before we kick things off with our Thursday night football preview and our complete Sunday preview, of including our six-pack, just two very quick reminders. Number one, if you plan to bet the NFL this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app. What are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from myself, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make. So download the Action Network app if you don't have it already. And number two, we're very excited to announce that the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM is now live. This is a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for you, our podcast listeners, and you can join by clicking on the link in our episode description. The top 10 weekly finishers receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes, and the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale, where they'll compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two, valued at over five thousand dollars courtesy of bet mgm the official odds provider of the action network podcast so again you guys can join this free dfs tournament every week of the nfl regular season just click on the link in our episode description all right let's get right into it stuck let's talk some thursday night football it's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. So for Thursday Night Football, week one, season opener, we got a good one. The Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, nine and a half point favorites, the total 54 and a half, 60% of the bet, 69% of the money on the Kansas City Chiefs stuck. What do you think of this game, man? It should be a good one. Yeah, I'm mainly just excited to have NFL back on a Thursday night. I know there's going to be UAB Miami too. I'll be checking that out in college football. But there's nothing like the primetime NFL. Nothing like a Sunday NFL, say, which we're going to get to. But also just any island primetime NFL game with the fantasy, the betting, and it for Twitter. And I'm excited for that to be back because I think Twitter's going to be awesome after people thought, are we going to have a season? Are we not? Uh, everyone is going to be betting it. Your dentist, your sister. I mean, it's going to be, someone's going to be, everyone's going to be invested in some way. So I'm really excited. I'm also really, from a better's perspective, it's a fascinating season. There's so many variables that 
we're going to learn about, and you're good. You have to kind of guess that early. Is tackling going to be an issue for defenses? You, you, I mean, look, think, think about the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs aren't hitting Patrick Mahomes. They're not hitting their star players in practice. I mean, they they've been saying they've been using like heavy bags. So like, and you've seen some of this in college so far. Is there just some teams are just really rusty and can't even tackle on a on a halfback dive? Or you're going to see some of that. But does the does any offensive continuity and timing with quarterbacks and receivers and offensive line continuity does what outweighs what the offense or the defense there's going to be exceptions to each but just overall are you going to see more rotations and what does that mean like players aren't up to game speed especially on the line so um, brian flores at the miami dolphins head coach talked about this today some of these guys can't play 60 70 80 plays yet there's been no preseason no camp so all the stuff most interesting thing is home field advantage we're going to finally maybe learn about what fans are worth but I don't even know if we will, we will because there's going to be some fans this week, and then we'll eventually get more back. And the same sixty thousand in this one, Kansas City is going to have sixteen thousand. So that's that's one of the uh, I believe that's the largest, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, Jags actually oh, have seventeen thousand. How? Well, first of all, do the Jags even have? Are they even going to get seventeen thousand? <laughs> like, I mean, that's right, what they're right. allowing. I don't know if they're going to get it. We know <laughs> the Chiefs will get sixteen thousand. They're, they're the only two teams with fans this week. But then next week, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Cowboys might have like forty thousand. Um, and then maybe the Browns. So you're going to start to see fans. But does, is there like a threshold where fans actually matter if they do at all? Like, and then NFL teams are going to be pumping in 70K, 70 decibel noise during the play clock and game clock. But it's different. It's not like the crowd gets really loud on the third and long for the offensive line. It's going to be more consistent. I don't know. So there's a lot of interesting questions. As far let as me, this let game me is stuck. concerned. Let me ask you this. Let me, yeah. ask you, let me put it yeah. to you this way then. So – we have some interesting kind of trends that I'll give you to frame, you know, your analysis of, of this game in terms of the home crowd. And so in Kansas City, uh, Arrowhead Unders in the Andy Reid era uh, are 33-22-1. That's a 60% hit rate. Uh, and then uh, home favorites on Thursday night football uh, are 73-50-4 over the past, you know, decade plus, almost two decades. So, you know, we have those two things, you know, just giving you, throwing those out there for you as you kind of talk through this. Yeah, I, I, the home favorite thing, I think there's some merit to it, but I think it has to do more with the short week Mm -hmm. and the short preparation. And then the superior team doesn't need as much time to prepare. And they're at home. The other team on a short week. So is this an Andy Reid off a bye situation though? Like this is is more prep. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, So I think that is, that is certainly relevant here. Coaches with more time to prepare. There's, you know, four or five in the upper echelon, your, your reads, your Belichick, your Harbaugh's who have a lot of advanced spread success and more time to prepare the Thursday night football. I, I don't think that home favorite doesn't apply this week. As far as the under, you know, I, I, some of these over and under, under trends, I can't fall too much in love with because, I, again, I think it's going to come down to what, what is – we're going to learn a lot about this game, you know, and it's only one game. But just seeing the first couple games, is the offense way behind the defense? What does this look like from a timing and tackling perspective? So I don't want to get involved in this total. And then for another reason, I look at both secondaries against both elite quarterbacks, and that mm-hmm. really scares me. I mean, Rashad Breland is out. And one of the, the best parts about the Chiefs' defense last year is the end of last year, Ward and Breland really started to come on. Ward's uh, your number one corner now, essentially. Yeah, Ward's your number one corner. Breland's out the first four weeks. That leaves Rashad Fenton in the only televised scrimmage that the Chiefs had. Jarius Sneed was the number two corner. played the, Yes. As, and he's a fourth-round pick who played free safety last year at La Tech. He did play corner three years before that. He was really good free safety last year. But, I mean, 
It's I know they're going to play Honey Badger a lot in the slot, I'm assuming, um, which he can do. But, I mean, you're trying to cover some of these. Will Fuller. Yeah, Will Fuller. Brandon is one of the, Cooks, I mean, he's banged up, but it looks like he's yeah, gone. It's, but Fuller, I mean, there's been a lot of corners that come out. So he's the hardest receiver in the NFL to cover. That's, that's my guy. Like, I love Will Fuller in fantasy this year. You can't, like, missed games have shown to be extremely difficult to actually predict. So you, even though he's missed a ton of games, you can't say he's going to miss, like, eight. You know what I mean? So I love Fuller. I have an 80-to-1 ticket on him to lead the league in receiving. I think he's the guy for Deshaun Watson uh, without – DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah, Fuller is going to be extremely difficult to cover. The, the none of these thing, guys have elite speed or experience at, at, yeah. that are going to match up with them. The one thing I'm, I'm curious as to your take on is last season, we saw Houston use a, a lot of two tight end, right? And this year in, in camp, they've even talked about they want to be more multiple in their offensive formations. They want to use more fullback uh, with Cohen, Joe Aspia. They want to use more two tight end with Jordan Akins and Darren Fells. I wonder, do you think that Houston goes along with that kind of strategy given the Chiefs' weak point on defense, you would have to think, uh, is at the cornerback position? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. It's like, do you let Watson try and go crazy? And you know that the Chiefs are going to, like, bring blitz. They're going to bring pressure to try to make up for some of their corner issues. But you can also run on the Chiefs. And then you want to – you have major corner issues, too, against Mahomes, right? You have – I mean, Hargreaves is going to be out there again. Lonnie they Johnson. might use uh, John Reed. I'm, I'm yeah, betting John that Reed John Reed actually uh, – yeah, I think I mean, he's a better matchup for this game, you know, going against Tyreek, um, who plays in a slot a ton. So I think I, I would – like the camp reports have been that Reed has been playing well, Hargreaves not so much. I wouldn't be surprised to see Reed get like the majority of the snaps even if Hargreaves is healthy. Yeah, I mean, but what you're going to have – they're going to have to have three corners out there a lot for the t- – and then, you know, Conley's on the IR. Lonnie Johnson is hurt. So you might have Hargreaves out there, and you have Bradley Roby, who's, who's decent. So you have questions on your defense as well. So do, do the Texans come out and say, we're going to run the ball because you can run on the Chiefs, and then we'll take it periodic shots, but we'll go heavier to control the ball, keep it out of Mahomes' hands? Or do they just say, look, we can throw in this team. Let's let the Sean Watson go to work. There's some good ta- offensive-defensive line matchups here. Can, how much can Watt impact the game? And then how much will the – I've mentioned this on a bunch of our preseason pods. How much will – the new defensive coordinator in Anthony Weaver and Houston Weaver, changed their yeah. scheme. Well, they blitz a lot more, but they didn't do it enough last year. And they, because they, they have good secondary. It didn't matter how much, what you dropped into coverage if you didn't get pressure. Now you have Watt. Will the scheme change? Watt had some success against Schwartz, who's an elite right tackle when they played in the regular season. Weaver, uh, so from my understanding, he's kind of a, a Rex Ryan disciple a little yep. bit. So I don't know Good if they'll – blitzing. Yeah, you'll blitz, but it's not necessarily like they'll bring extra guys and, and drop fewer guys into coverage as much as it seems like he wants to vary who comes, right? So yep. more corners coming off the edge, which, which is – you know, that's dangerous uh, yep. <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes. But I'm guessing that's what we do see because – you know, Houston under Cornell and, and like that kind of that kind of scheme, they just they were extremely conservative anytime they got a weed. They played a lot of man coverage and there just wasn't much creativity. So at this point, I mean, what did you give up? Fifty points to Mahomes in three quarters uh in, in the playoff matchup? You might as well try something new and and a little more aggressive. Yeah, I, I mean the Chiefs went on a fifty one to seven run in that game and I mean they had the Texans had Lonnie Johnson on Travis Kelsey and he got abused. If they have Lonnie Johnson on Travis Kelsey again, I will lie that the shit out of the Chiefs. What Weaver does philosophically will tell me more about the Texans' potential going forward. Because I, I do want to just see them try things, even if you don't have much success against Mahomes, right? You don't have great corners, and Mahomes can just drop back. 
20 yards and then just throw it all the way downfield. He can, he's obviously mobile. He's now healthy. You know, when they played in the regular season, his ankle was banged up when the Texans won that game. But I do just want to see it. I don't know if it's going to lead to them having a chance to win this game. I make this 10.2-ish. Um, and it's a game that if I loved either side, I, maybe I would bet it. But it, the line is right around where I have it. And it's – I mean, I'm, I'm going to look to see if I can bet it live. But it's a game that I can just – because I don't love it, I can, I can just at least observe some all these questions that I have uh, on night one. So, unfortunately, I don't love anything night one. But there's a lot I'll be watching for. Yeah, I took the Chiefs at nine and a half when the Lions first came out. Uh, I have it at ten and a half myself, so I'm kind of right with you. Uh, you can check out our Action Network uh, power ratings and projected spreads uh, at actionnetwork.com right now. Um, I do lean over in this game. I know that um, you know there's a there's some there's some people some smart people on the under as well, but I look at this game and I look at the continuity that the Chiefs have on offense. Out of all the teams in the league, you have the team with the best offense, also with the most offensive continuity. You have uh, a Texans team that they can get into a shootout. They have, you know, they're four deep at receiver. They can go down the field. You know, remember, Hopkins only had 11.3 yards per catch last year. Now, you know, replacing him with guys like Cooks and Stills, and, you know, I know they have Cobb as a true slot, but, you know, they can actually go further, you know, down the field more this year uh, even than they did last year. You mentioned it too. The Chiefs, they'll let you run on them if they do get into a situation where uh, they know you need to, you know, pass a little bit more. So I think all these factors, I think one way or another, we could kind of see this game get up there in the points. And out of any game, really, in week one, if you look at a game and say, okay, this is going to be a high-scoring game. And that doesn't necessarily mean it goes over, but the odds are one in, there's going to be a game that gets into the mid to high 50s. Uh, I would I would say it would be this one. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's over nothing. If there's like some turnovers early and some flukes, field goals, and I can get a good live over, I may look there. Because you have two great quarterbacks, two great receiving cores, two questionable secondaries due to injuries and other factors. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's over nothing from a total perspective. I don't care how square it is. The last thing I'll throw out on this game is, oh, wait, there's going to be a letdown for the Super Bowl winner. You hear that from someone mm-hmm. who will say that every year. In every sport, really, for the champion. But Super Bowl winners, 14-6 and six against the spread since 2000 in the opening week. How much, so how many of those are New England? Yeah, it's New England <laughs> a lot. Them, but, right? <laughs> yeah, New England, surprisingly, yeah, New England has covered a lot when they've won the Super Bowl in week one, not other times. We'll, we'll get to that. The Super Bowl losers have struggled more the next season and in week one. But Super Bowl winners, there hasn't been a letdown. They're usually at home. It's not like, you know, an NBA game where you get your rings or something, and then the game doesn't mean that much. This is still an NFL regular season game where, like, it's one of 16. You're not going to be like, hey, I'm, who cares about this game? They're going to be up for this game just like every team in the NFL is. Yeah, and Andy Reid in particular uh, in week ones, we talked about he's usually good with extra preparation. Uh, he's 5-2 and two against the spread with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in week ones. So I expect the Chiefs to come out strong on Thursday night football. And speaking of Thursday night football, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer on tonight's game. New customers can bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if Patrick Mahomes throws one touchdown pass in the game. Just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if Mahomes tosses one TD pass tonight. 
As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. Next up, Stuck and I will each give you our three favorite bets of the week in the Sunday six-pack. But first, here's our coach's pep talk. This week's pep talk comes to us from Robin Williams in the film Good Will Hunting, and we're dedicating it to uh, the rookie, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know what occurred to me? You're just a kid. I look at you. I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. That could have also been Bill O'Brien talking to himself in the mirror before this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Bill O'Brien slander is live. We are back, baby. <laughs> NFL football. It is time for our Sunday six-pack. Let's get into it. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Okay. If you haven't listened before, the Sunday six pack is when Stuck and I each draft our three favorite bets. So it's essentially a six bet draft of all the sides for Sunday. So we can choose any side. We can't choose the same side, but if we're on opposite sides, that works. Uh, we keep score all season. Our top pick is worth two points. Uh, our other picks are worth one each. And then we also will choose our favorite total in the segment after this. And that will also count a point and we'll keep the score and we'll see what's up at the end of the season. Uh, I am the current victor with a narrow, narrow edge over Stuck uh, last season. So I know Stuck is rearing to go, but I do have the first pick. So uh, I'm going to start it off with the first pick. Pick number one for our Sunday six-pack. I am going with the Buffalo Bills minus six and a half at home against the New York football Jets. First of all, the Jets just their injury report is a mile long already. I don't know what receivers they're gonna they're gonna have uh, on Sunday. You, Hogan looks like he's hurt. Brashad Perriman has had knee swelling all camp. We don't know if he's 100%. Denzel Mims has missed most of camp, and he's a rookie. Crowder popped up on the injury report. It, it's really tough for the, for the Jets. And you're going against one of the better defenses uh, in the league. And you're going against a team that already was a, a tough matchup, I think, for you because great safety play. They're not going to give up any you know, free plays. They're going to force you to kind of go up and down the field, which is not really a strength of the Jets. Um, you know, decent against the run, not, not great, had some issues earlier, but, but kind of plugged it up late. Uh, and a team that is going to just uh, be able to, I think, move the ball on the Jets on the other side because you have Josh Allen and you have Singletary and Moss with this running game, but you also have Stephon Diggs. And Josh Allen's main issue last year was that he was 3 of 27 targeting all receivers not named John Brown deep. Now you're going to have... Uh, Stephon Diggs, who's the best deep ball receiver in the league, come in. I expect a much more efficient Josh Allen. And uh, I just don't see a way for the Jets to put up enough points in this game 
to outscore the Bills. And I don't, and I don't see them, you know, do, moving the ball. I don't see them holding the, the Bills offense on the other end under, let's say, 21 points, which is probably what they're going to need to do to, to, to cover the spread. So uh, I'm going with the Bills to win by a touchdown or more. Uh, the Jets, I think they're still being a little overrated after last year's 6-2 and two finish. You had uh, victories against the, the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Redskins, three of the worst teams in the league. You had the, the Raiders coming west to east for an early start. Uh, that's an easy letdown spot where, you know, the Jets capitalized. You had the Jets going against uh, Pittsburgh with, with Devlin Hodges at quarterback. Yeah, and then you had them winning against the Bills uh, in week 17 when they rested their starters. And that's how the Jets got to six win, you know, got to, uh, you know, six and two to finish the season. I don't think it was really a Sam Darnold thing. Uh, Darnold, we have nearly a thousand dropbacks of him being below average in pretty much every category uh, as a passer. Uh, you know, sub 60% completion rate, uh, you know, 6.9 yards per attempt. It, there's just nothing about the Jets that screams that they can keep it close against a, a quality football team uh, in the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I'm so low on the Jets. Um, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know that I'm low on Darnold, I'm low on Gase. And it's like, hey, we got Mosley and Adams still in defense or defense. Well, they're, now, you, now you don't. Yeah. Um, and all these receiver injuries, and it's like, well, Herndon's going to be – well, the Bills, not only do they take away everything deep, they're elite at covering tight ends. Yes. I don't know what the Jets are going to do. I'll say – and also the Bills, I will say, from everything I've looked into, one of the most – I think one of the most impactful – or the, the group that will be impacted the most by no preseason and then all the shortened preparation will be offensive lines that are brand new. And office, so much of offensive lines are continuity. And it's just communication, getting used to seeing all these different stunts and blitzes. You just need time to gel and who's getting who. And so you're not blowing assignments. The Jets have a brand new offensive line. The Bills, five, new star, five starters back. They replaced their offensive line last year. The Bills just have that coaching roster continuity from last year a team that I want to back early on or have no problem backing. Whereas I think the jets are going to, I mean, the jets also now you're replacing your, your most important defensive player um, questions in the secondary. I have, a, I'll save some more thoughts on this game because I have it later for another bet. So I'll move on, but I agree with you. I make it over seven. So uh, no calls for me that when you took it with your first overall pick, I was upset because it was going to likely be one of my picks. Um, and I was going to pick it early because I knew that you would probably go there. So that was the benefit of you winning last year. You get the Bills week one. All right, so for pick number two in our Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins, which at BetMGM, our official odds provider, the line is six and a half now. Wait to see if you can get a seven. If you can't, buy cheap to seven. I also have another article on tips for beginners in the NFL. So if you want to know about key numbers, when to buy, basically just on the three or seven under 15 cents. It's a good rule of thumb. When I looked at my picks, my three draft picks this week, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. But I can because usually in week one, we have an article out on actionnetwork.com in the Action app. If you haven't checked it out, my, I have my 100 burning questions about every NFL team. I got to do another update tonight with all the injuries. It's a good place to go and just keep up with everything and get a, a primer in addition to this podcast. But we also have a, a piece on betting the worst teams from the year before and how profitable it's been. And it makes sense in the overreaction of the NFL market. So all these teams I didn't want to bet last year, I'm like the first week I'm betting them. So it's kind of in line with that. But yeah, this is my first pick of the season. I'm fading Bill Belichick. But if you're going to fade Bill Belichick, it's not smart. Him and Brady were like 60% against the spread in, together in their careers, which spanned from like 2002 on. 
If you're going to fade them, you do it early on in the season, specifically week one. With Brady, the Pats went 8-8-1 eight, eight and one against the spread in season openers. They were 60% against spread all the weeks. Something to that, and a lot of ex-players have said this, that they Belichick will kind of tweak some – like play around with some certain things in weeks one, weeks two. And you've seen slow starts by the Patriots before. Now, last year their schedule was just so damn easy that there was no way they were going to – Start slow, but it's it's happened before. And with this shortened preparation, all the opt outs that they had, just but just take the shortened preparation alone. You would think that would hurt Belichick the most. You give Belichick more time, he's going to do more with it, right? But all the opt outs too just throw a wrench in here. They're rebuilding their front seven. Some of the losses in the secondary will actually hurt too. Um, You know, you're going to have a new offense. You have a new quarterback. You lost Cannon to tackle. Your your receiving options are really questionable. Your tight ends as well. Everything about this team, I'm much lower on them than the entire world. Maybe Corner too. And although I think it's Kerner, I think we've been pronouncing his name wrong. And I apologize, Sean. Someone, uh, I think Katie told me that the other day. Um, so, but I'm I'm okay here taking seven. Which if make sure you get it. Which just to throw out another trend here and I'm not a huge trend player but something I always said is I don't like laying seven or more in week one in a divisional game and the numbers back that up I mean seven point favorites or more in week one of the NFL season over since 2003 are 20 and 29 against the spread it's not a huge sample size but it's just not great results in the division division favorites of seven or more in week one are six and 12 against the spread it's not a huge sample size but just for reference there but I just like, you know, the, Patri- the Patriots, there's so many questions on this roster, so much turnover. Um, and the Dolphins have a lot of familiarity with this team. Not only there's a lot of ex-players, their coaches are familiar with what the Patriots want to do. And I know there's the cam factor and there's going to be some newness here, but I, I just think it's too many points. I'm just much lower on the Patriots. This is the time to fade them, I think. And I know the, the Dolphins have a new offensive coordinator but Fitzpatrick's familiar with him. Fitzpatrick's had some success against the Patriots before. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. He's beat them with starting for the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills. He's a little unpredictable, which I think works in his favor because the Patriots and Bill Belichick are so good at planning against tendencies and taking away, you know, your what you do best. But Fitzpatrick's kind of a wild card, right? And that's why sometimes, even like last last year, they beat him with 17 underdogs or whatever it was in the last week to take away that buy from the Patriots. So I know that there's some injuries on the Dolphins on the receiving front with Parker and Williams. I'm hoping that they'll be able to play, which will help. Um, But yeah, as long as you can get seven here, um, I like the Dolphins in a week one divisional matchup. I think that there's going to be some growing pains for the Patriots. And, And look, the Dolphins offensive line will be a little better especially in the interior. And they actually now have running backs who could run the ball and the Patriots are going to be weak up front. So just, you're going to have some big plays from Fitzpatrick and at least they'll be able to just run it forward when they do, which they couldn't do last year. So that'll help in like getting, you know, easier passing situations or converting third and ones or things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I think that the, you hope Xavier Howard can play. I'm not sure how much he is, but they have good corners now. I think they can shut down, the Patriots passing attack. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm just low on the Patriots. It's not a surprise here. I'm fading them week one. Yeah, absolutely. I took the dolphins as seven and a half point dogs. When these lines first opened, I think there's a lot of question marks as to how good this offense can be with Cam Newton. I found it odd that 
he was signed so late in the process, you know, that, that doesn't seem like a very Patriot thing to do, like go through all the off season, you know, zoom meetings or whatever. And you have one quarterback and then you bring this other guy in you know, at the you know end of July, or beginning of August. And then, you know, Stidham mysteriously hurts his leg and all of a sudden Cam is a starter, but we're not announcing it to the world, just to our team. And you look at what, what kind of, sunk them last year and it was a lack of separation from their receivers Tom Brady led the league in throwaways with 45 had you know the worst completion percentage he's had you know in in quite some time that that 60.8 percent that does not play well into Cam Newton's strengths and then you look at Josh McDaniels and he's gonna be the guy that's gonna be charged with you know making this offense work with Cam well Josh McDaniels you know He's been the coordinator of New England. Uh, he started in 06. There was a brief hiatus from, you know, 2009 to 2011. You know, every year that McDaniels has been with Brady, they've been top eight in points. And they've been top above average in yards with, with a low of 15th. The three years that he was not with Tom Brady, you know, two years in Denver and one with St. Louis, 20th, 19th, and 32nd in points. 15th, 13th, and 31st in yards. So Josh McDaniels without Tom Brady, this is another situation where, and remember, he goes to Indianapolis and I think he gets word that like Andrew Luck may not be, you know, that, you know, that good, that healthy or whatever, and kind of re backs out of that. So, you know, I would worry about him and, and yeah, the familiarity, I think with, with Brian Flores and we've seen this with Matt Patricia go, you know, beat New England early in the year. Uh, in the past. So uh, I love the pick. Uh, I think that's a great pick. And, and what I think we'll talk about a little more, uh, a little later in the show. Okay. For pick number three in our Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. I think this is more of a toss up game than people think. I know the Panthers were extremely bad last year, but I think that Teddy Bridgewater actually will add a, a decent amount to this team because this was one of the two worst quarterback teams in, in the league or three worst quarterback teams in the league, including Pittsburgh and, and Washington last year. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, even if he's average, which he's probably around average, could be a little above, but uh, even if he's average, that changes a lot uh, for this offense. There is some continuity there with Teddy, even though he's, he's you know, going to a new team, they have a new head coach. Uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater were together in New Orleans in 2018. So Teddy's not wearing a new offense. Um, he's been able to kind of help guys out in camp at, with picking things up faster because he already knows this offense. Uh, I expect uh, Carolina to be a lot different in terms of their packages this year, a lot more uh, four wide receiver, something Las Vegas just not going to be able to really have prepared for. And then you look at the reasons why we're kind of a little more bullish on the Raiders than usual uh, they had some draft picks you know Henry Ruggs explosive guy they add him to the team but Christian McCaffrey is still the most dynamic player in this game he's still on Carolina and then you know even with the quarterback situation you know Derek Carr had a good year last year but is Derek Carr really any better than Teddy Bridgewater I don't think so Teddy Bridgewater we also have that 28 and 7 record against the spread uh, as a starting quarterback in his career, going for him. You know, the weakness of Carolina, we know the main weakness, really, you know, besides the quarterback position for them last year, was their defense. They were, you know, number 26 in DVOA. They were really bad against the rush. 
uh, dead last. But this Vegas team, their defense, uh, not really much better. In fact, they finished worse overall in defensive DVOA uh, at number 31. And remember, while the Raiders were out drafting a whole bunch of offense, uh, one, of, one of the players, which they already traded to Miami and Lynn Bowden, the Raiders were drafting offense. The Panthers spent every single draft pick on defense. So I'm not saying that pays off immediately, but I don't think there's that big of a gap between these two teams. Uh, I know there's no home field advantage necessarily, or it's not as much as usual, but uh, Carolina at home, uh, I think these teams are a lot more even than the three and a half point spread indicates. So I am rolling with the Panthers. I think they win this game outright, but uh, going with them to cover three and a half against the Vegas Raiders in week one. I think this is actually a good under the radar over bet, 47 and a half now. You're going to have this Brady passing offense, and there's some weapons on the outside with Moore and Samuel against a secondary that's just not great. I mean, it's so young. I mean, it's Arnett and Mullen. They have, I mean, it's a rookie and a, a second-year player. And then LaMarcus Joyner is so bad in the slot. I mean, that's their cornerback group. They let Prince Akmora go, and, like, I don't know why. I mean, he doesn't have much left, but at least he was, like, a veteran guy. Their defense was awful last year. I mean, it was the first team in NFL history to not have a sack or a pick from a all season from a linebacker or defensive back. And the coaching, I don't know how Gunther just keeps his job. They don't, they're just not aggressive enough. The scheme is really poor. So I, I think the Panthers can have some success. If you want to take the Raiders, look at the first half. They're, I think they're going to come out, though they should be able to run the ball. I know that the yeah. Panthers are, are changing schemes into a format front, which should help against the run. But I mean, you lose Luke Keekley, it's, it's not great. Then they lose the, you know, their top two or three performing corners last year. So, you know, you, you would think that Waller. Uh, is going to have some success. Jacob's going to have success. And you're going to be able to throw in the Panthers, at least early on, against this young secondary defense going through some – but I I also think that the Panthers will be able to move the ball as well. But if you look back last year, the Raiders were actually pretty good early in games. I don't know if it was – if it was that they were able to scout plays more effectively or it's just that their coaching is so bad that they don't make adjustments. I mean, go look at what they – I think they scored one touchdown in the third quarter all last – year their defense was the worst in the league in the third quarter and their offense was the worst in the league Mm. in the third quarter that's not a great combination so if you want to get the i make this line 3.2 but mainly because and i might be overweighting teams that have so much turnover but i'm just trying to avoid them early on i think so the panthers you know new coach and there is some continuity which you mentioned which is a good point but all this roster turnover new scheme on defense it's a team i wanted to avoid so it's 3.2 i'm not betting the raiders but if you want to bet the Raiders, knowing their second half struggles last year, knowing that the Panthers, they might have more, might take a little, a couple more drives to get into it before the Raiders. And if, if the Raiders get up, there's not, nothing to say that the Panthers can't throw and come back in this game. So maybe look at the Raiders under a field goal in the first half if you like them. Uh, but I think the, I don't disagree with your logic, but I think the play in this game might be the over. Yeah, I, I could see that. You know, I could see it going either way. I mean, you know, we don't know exactly how conservative or aggressive these coaches will be, but I, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, you know, the Panthers very well may have the better quarterback in this game. Uh, they have the better running back in this game, even though, you know, we're all talking about Jacobs and how well he'll be able to run. They have the better running back. They had the better defense last year, even though both of the defenses were bad. Uh, they, they, even though we're excited about Henry Ruggs, they, the Panthers have the best wide receiver in this game and DJ Moore. Like the Panthers pretty much have advantages all across the board. And then it's just, you know, it's Matt rule versus Gruden, which, you know, okay. Rules in his first start, but that's why we're getting three and a half. So uh, I just don't think there's that big of a chasm, but, but 
uh, I could see I could see the the total kind of going either way, just depending on you know rule could come out really conservative. Uh, that that's what I that's what I would worry about with the with the total. Yeah, I mean, there's two good offensive. I mean, the, the Raiders have a really good offensive line. The Raiders yeah. don't get pressure on the other side, so I think either quarterbacks can have time to do what they want. And then there's a lot of questions in both secondaries. Okay, for the fourth selection in the Sunday six pack, I am going with drum roll, please. The Los Angeles Rams, which I can't believe I'm doing it. Plus at Bet MGM right now, they're plus two and a half. Again. I would buy to a three under 15 cents if you don't. Especially the Cowboys, it's on Sunday night. Look, the guy, I was, I'm actually pretty high on the Cowboys. Uh, slightly higher than the market from a win total perspective. But this team is going through a lot of changes on the defensive side of the ball. You know, a new head coach. They do have the same offensive coordinator. And this is an offense that adds CeeDee Lamb. And you think, man, I mean, this is one of the best offenses in the NFL last year. This offense is going to be really tough to stop. But, I mean, how much better can it get? And then, you, and then you look at the offensive line, which has been such a strength. You have to replace excellent center, and now you have to replace Lyle Collins, who was placed on IR right tackle. So losing him, you know, with only a week or so to go, with not many great options behind him, and you still d- I don't like the option at center, and you're going against Aaron Donald, I think he can cause some disruption. I just make this line two. I think – the Cowboys are a team that might struggle early on with these offensive line issues. They're still trying to figure out their defense. Um, I like some of their pieces up front, but it's very, very, very raw secondary. Um, and I think that on the other side of the ball, the advantage here goes to the Rams. With this, with the questions in the Cowboys secondary, I think you're going to see McVay come out with a completely different looking offense. And it's going to, you know, it's going to take advantage of the strengths of what Jared Goff does. And it's going to be, you know, more, I think, more underneath. It's going to be more two tight end sets. And it's going to be something that the Rams really haven't shown a lot of in the past. There's going to be a lot of new wrinkles. Um, I think he's taking a completely new approach, realizing that, okay, everything that I was doing, I have to do differently. And I think that that newness factor uh, is going to work in the Rams' favor for this week one game. And look, it's going to be quiet, and we, we love that for Jared Goff. Um, he's going to, you know, McVeigh's going to be able to get in and tell him exactly what to do. We could have done that clip uh, from Goodwill Hunting for McVeigh looking at Goff. So, yeah, I'm taking the plus three with the home dog. I made this around 2.2, and now you have the Lyle Collins injury, which just doesn't help things for Dallas. And uh, I think there'll be a little bit of growing pains early. I think ultimately Dallas will be okay if they stay healthy but I'm taking the three here with the Rams. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I bet this uh, at, I think it was, you know, two, one and a half or two or something like that uh, earlier on. I thought this game was a lot closer to a, a toss up. And, and I agree. I think what McVay is doing is he's realized that the offensive line may not be as fixable, but uh, what he can do is he can create a quick passing game for Goff. He's really good at scheming those up and he has the players to do it with, with cup and woods. And uh, you know, they brought in Van Jefferson who's a great, you know, short to intermediate route runner kind of pro ready guy, even though he was a second round, you know, still a rookie this year. Uh, they got acres who specializes in running behind poor offensive lines and yeah. they still have Higby and, and Gerald Everett at, at the tight end. So yeah, they can go with more, uh, you know, one, two when they need to, whether it's, you know, when they're leading, uh, or, or, you know, when there, there's a pass rush or whatever. So, yeah, I like the Rams. I think they're well-equipped to 
to, to play the Cowboys well in, in this spot. And, you know, Mike McCarthy's coming in. I think the biggest change he can make is making the Cowboys more efficient in the red zone. They did struggle in that area. Uh, if you look at, you know, Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy, you know, the Packers, about 74% of their uh, offensive touchdowns came via the pass. They were a lot more aggressive throwing in the red zone, whereas the, the Cowboys, uh, they've, they've gone to Zeke a lot in the red zone, and it hasn't actually benefited them. So that's going to be the key for them is to kind of use those receivers that they have in Cooper and Gallup and Lamb to use those guys and, and Dak in, in the red zone. Um, so this could actually be a game that I, the total goes over to because you have McVeigh on one side who I think, um, like you said, is going to come out strong with the game plan. And I think on the other side, the Cowboys still have enough talent to score and their, their weakness is going to be on defense. So uh, I like the Rams also would lean uh, to the over in this one. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, for the fifth pick in the Sunday six-pack, uh, I'm going with the Chicago Bears, plus three against the Detroit Lions. And you like the Lions, I know, Stuck. I've actually come around on, on them a little bit because I think I really like what Daryl Bevel did uh, schematically with Matthew Stafford last year. Uh, Stafford was uh, at the top of the league in terms of average t- target depth where whereas he was he was near the bottom of the league the year before and, and I think that's the way to play when you have Galladay and Marvin Jones and, and those guys Marvin Hall uh, you know coming off the bench as well so I like what they're doing on offense but at the same time I don't think this is a, a three-point advantage uh, for the for the Lions I don't think that uh, this team has quite put it together on defense yet and they've never really put it together in the Patricia era, even with Stafford, he's 9-14-1 straight up. With Stafford, 9-23-1 uh, uh, overall straight up. So, you know, you're essentially picking who's going to win this game when it's a, a close spread like this. I still lean uh, the Chicago Bears. I think Trubisky, you're going to see something closer to 2018. He played last year with a, a shoulder injury um, that, that was bothering him. He was a lot better than Nick Foles in camp. This year, um, I just think that the Bears, you look at, you know, as bad as they, as we felt like they were, as disappointing as we felt like they were last year, they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, You know, Matt Nagy still 20-12 and 12 in his two years. Uh, they still have a defense that, that I think is much better than Detroit. So, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, love, love what him and Bevel have kind of got going, but this is a defense that can slow that down a, a little bit. And uh, I just think that the Bears have the better overall football team. So taking the Bears is the three-point dog here. Uh, from a value perspective, I mean, you're taking the most important number in the NFL, getting three. And I make this the Lions minus one and a half-ish. So I, that's, I would say the value is with the Bears. But, I mean, I'm not betting Mitch Bortles <laughs> in week one. You've just been Bortled. I have a lot of questions about both rosters that I'm going to have answered. I'm, I can almost guarantee myself. I'm staying away from this game. It's also not, not a bad teaser option, which we'll get to teasers if you want to tease the Bears up from three. Um, but, I mean, the Lions offense was really good before mm-hmm. Stafford went down, and they have the weapons on the outside to attack this Bears secondary. 
And look, I think that Fuller is slightly overrated, but he's he's a good corner. He's a good starting NFL corner. But who's who's across from him now? I mean, as of right now, listed as the starter is Jalen Johnson, a rookie corner. And the, the Lions are, don't just have a number one corner and I mean a number one receiver in Galladay. You know, you have Jones and you have to cover two. And look, there was a report, the Bears reports out of camp were hilarious this week. It's like Mitch completed the pass. He looks great. It's like, yeah, I mean, in practice. <laughs> That's pretty much camp reports. <laughs> yeah, they said Jalen Johnson, had, he hasn't, he had two off-season shoulder surgery. He's a rookie. He missed all of camp, didn't play in the scrimmage. And then in a practice, he, he picked off Nick Foles once, and it was like a story. So, I, I mean, look, he just started practicing. The, the learning curve for rookies, especially him, he had surgery, he didn't, he didn't practice, and he's just now he's the starter. So the secondary is in really rough shape, in my opinion. So, and, I, and look, you lose Eddie Goldman up front. Now, the front seven still has a lot of talent, and they're going to get a ton of pressure. And it's scary to think about Quinn and Mack going against the right side of the Lions' offensive line. They signed Vitae from the Eagles, their swing tackle, for a ton of money. He's going to start a right tackle. And then you have a right guard in Jonah Jackson, a rookie, third on pick. He's going to start a right guard. So, I mean, the right side of that offensive line, I don't know how they're going to help him. Staff going to have to get the ball quick, which you can do, but does that take away their downfield passing? That's something I'm watching. On the defensive side of the ball, that's where I think – we know the Lions will be able to score. The right side of the offensive line is a, is a little questionable, but we know they're going to be able to score. Their defense last year was awful. I mean, they gave the most passing yards in the NFL. And all they did was play basic cover one all year. Slay was obviously awful, which didn't help. He's a, he was following around the opposing number one receiver. So now you have Akuda, Trufant, and Justin Coleman, who's a really good slot corner. What's the learning curve for Akuda? He's obviously a lot more talented than Jalen Johnson. And then what is Trufant going to give them? They also added some really important pieces from the Patriots. I mean, they're basically just trying to become the Patriots defense. You know, you added Shel- Shelton and Harmon, for example, two really underrated guys on that defense last year. So, I, but I think the most important thing to watch for is it's not Patricia calling plays anymore. It's Corey Unlin. And they need to just get different. They get, they're just so predictable. Yeah, they run cover one. And they, it's like, okay, and teams can figure that out. You got to throw in different looks. So I want to see what they do on the defensive side of the ball. From a value perspective, I agree with you. But I'm staying away. I don't know if the Bears can even run the ball, which you should be able to do against the Lions. Most teams, I'm not, I'm not running the bet Mitch here. But from a value perspective, I can't argue against you. All right, for the sixth pick of the Sunday six-pack, the last pick of week one, I'm going with a team that I swore off last year that I would never bet. Arizona Cardinals and Mr. Cliff Kingsbury. At BetMGM, they are... Plus seven, I believe. There's yes. still seven there. You know, I do like some of the things that Arizona has done, and I think Kyler Murray is going to take another leap forward this year. And the offensive line from a pass-blocking perspective last year, and there's a lot of continuity there this year, is it was actually pretty good last year. If you look at the advanced stats, they actually were decent at pass-blocking. Now, they gave him a ton of sacks. A lot of that was on Murray. He was trying to make plays under pressure. He would take a lot of sacks he shouldn't have. And look, he just came into the NFL – and he was used to playing in Oklahoma with, like, the best offensive lines in the country in the Big 12 against no defenses. He's not used to, like – he's used to just sitting in the pocket and being like, I can do whatever I want. He's going to – his just being able to read defenses and understand when to get rid of the ball, that's going to improve. Also, the red zone. They were so bad in the red zone last year. These little things, I think, are going to improve on the offense. And, hey, what's a big thing? Is they added, added DeAndre Hopkins. doesn't hurt in an offense that's going to have a ton of four wide receiver sets. going to be very, very difficult to cover – I'm interested. I think that they're going to put him on the left side of the field a ton. You know, they'll put him all over, but in the slot, just keep him away from Sherman, um, and you're going to see some big plays from Hopkins. I think the offensive line is better than people give it credit for, and I think that Murray's going to have more awareness and just natural progression in his second year. The defense, they improved their linebacking core. You know, they added Isaiah Simmons. 
this is a team that can't cover tight ends. So you, you, you're petrified when they play the 49ers and George Kittle, it looks like is going to play. I want to see how much they put Simmons on, on Kittle. But the secondary was a disaster last year. You had Peterson suspension. You had Alfred Hurt. Now, Alfred's hurt again. Robert Alfred, their starting corner, which very unfortunate for him. But Byron Murphy got thrown into the Wolves. He was starting last year. So you would think that experience pays off this year. Peterson is back to start the year. So you think their, their secondary should be a little better. But this is more of a fate of the 49ers earlier in the year. Look, off, I mean, injuries. Just go look at the 49ers injury report. I don't know who's what wide receivers are playing. You're back to like the Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis. Everybody's hurt. Debo Samuel might play, but I mean, he's been really hurt. At least he's getting positive reports now. Their their rookie Ayuk is, is hurt. I mean, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's crazy. In interior offensive line, there's just so many injuries for this 49ers team. Arizona was actually decent against the run last year. So I think the 49ers, obviously, they're going to be able to run the ball at times, but I think this line is too high. Um, and last year, the, the last thing I'll say about this matchup is last year the Cardinals played two games against the, the 49ers, and their defense was elite last year. And in both those games, it was 28-25, the 49ers won, and 36-26. But in that 36-26 loss, the cards were up three with 30 seconds left. Yep. Uh, so – so, I mean, thoughts and prayers for anybody who had the plus nine and a half in that game. Um, and then the 49ers scored a touchdown on like a 40-yard pass with 30 seconds ago. And then there was a, a, a fumble and it got kicked all the way to the end zone with, as time expired. But, you know, if you, if you look at last year what the 49ers defense struggled with, it's mobile quarterbacks. Now, this argument is kind of circular because a lot of the best quarterbacks in the NFL are right. mobile. But they played six games against mobile quarterbacks. Lamar, Mary, Mahomes, Wilson – you know, they were a 500 team. They got 26 points per game. The 13 games against other teams, I mean, it was dominant. They were 12-1. and one. They allowed 10 fewer points per game against those teams. And why is that? Well, their defensive line is elite. They get pressure without blitzing as well as any team in the NFL. So they don't need to blitz. They're going to get pressure, and they're going to get pressure right away. You need, you need a quarterback that's going to be able to move, and then it can actually run, take off, and the Cardinals have that. Their offense had success last year. Uh, against the 49ers. So I think it'll be a confident group. I think Kingsbury and that offense, they'll have a bunch of new different looks. And they talked about how they're looking at the positive and no preseason. It's like, hey, we can come in with these these new looks. I, I know the 49ers will have that in the running game, but I think you're going to see some explosive passes that the 49ers didn't give up too many of last year. So uh, just give me the seven here against the 49ers team that I'm fading early with just all of these injuries uh, across the board. Yeah, once we see that injury report later in the week, I could definitely see uh, kind of adjusting that to where there is some value for me on the on the cards. Uh, I think one another thing to point out about Arizona and why they're you know could potentially be equipped to stop Sam Frame is Arizona was you know they had that really bad pass defense last year, number twenty eight in DVOA, but they were actually number six in run defense, and yeah. you know you have to stop the run when you play San Francisco. So if you can do that. You can, you can kind of equalize things just a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't argue with you with that pick uh, at all. Uh, yeah, all Fred, right. Fred Warner also, keep an eye on him. He might not play as well, and he's really important to the 49ers. So just keep eye on the injury report for the 49ers later in the week. All right, that's going to do it for our Sunday six-pack. To recap, I have the Buffalo Bills minus six-and-a-half against the Jets, the Panthers plus three-and-a-half against the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Bears plus three against the Detroit Lions. Stuck has the Cardinals plus seven against the Niners. The Rams plus two and a half against the Cowboys. And the Dolphins plus six and a half against the New England Patriots. 
All right. That's our Sunday six pack for week one. Next up, we have our favorite over under plays. But first, a quick word from our friends at BetMGM. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's get into our favorite total of the week, Stuck. Uh, I went first for the six-pack, so you kick us off for the total. Yeah, I mentioned this game already. And by the way, if, if we didn't mention or just to reiterate, two points for our best side, one point for each of the two, one point for the total. That's five points each week we can get, and then you get a bonus point if you sweep the board. So I guess I, a maximum of six points a week when we're keeping track, and we'll keep you updated on the scores all year. For my total, I'm going Jets, Bills, under at BetMGM, currently it's 39 and a half. See if you can wait around and uh, get a 40 at some point for a, you know, potential 23-17 push or something along those lines. The Jets' offense is awful. The Bills' defense is really good. It can take away anything the Jets, I think, want to do. I just don't know how the Jets are going to move the ball. You know, the Bills' offense, it's not – they're not world beaters. You want to throw in the conditions for Sunday in Buffalo, potentially 18, 20, 22 mile an hour winds, thunderstorms, winds in Buffalo are nasty, especially to a kicking game. Not only do the quarterbacks throwing it, but the kicking game and both teams have questions of kicker. There was uh, kicker competitions in each camp. So you're going to have Tyler Bass versus Sam Ficken in this game. So don't be surprised that you get a couple drives down the field and then a missed field goal with the wind and questionable kickers. And then that's a dream for an under. So yeah, new Jets offensive line is really going to struggle here. And look no further than last year. The games were 17 to 16 and 13 to 6. The second one was with, I mean, the Bills played nobody, but they still held the Jets to 13 points. I mean, they literally, they were playing like wide receivers at corner. So, uh, yeah, give me the under in Jets, Bills, under 40. I think this is like 2017 max. Yeah, and it has been profitable to bet the under in Josh Allen starts 19 and 8. 70% 70% hit rate, according to Bet Labs. So uh, that's the one that I'm usually on, and uh, I, probably the one I would have taken if you hadn't taken it. But I am going to go with the Packers, Vikings, under 45 and a half. This kind of is similar to you mentioned San Francisco and how they get that four man rush, and uh, you know, they can drop guys into coverage. And, and these are the matchups where. Aaron Rodgers struggles, and, and I think Minnesota can still get a pretty good pass rush. Um, they have some, some, some issues at corner, but Green Bay only has one receiver. And you look back at Aaron Rodgers you know, against Mike Zimmer defenses, and it, it hasn't been pretty. Over the last four matchups in particular, he's averaging just one touchdown pass, uh, just 226 yards passing, uh, and just 6.3 yards per attempt. Everything we've seen out of this Green Bay team – this entire offseason, they've been geared to running the ball more. They drafted a, an H-back in the third round. They drafted a, a, a big, you know, two-down, grinding 
you know, explosive, but, but still two down type of guy in AJ Dillon in the second, the, you know, this, this is, a, they didn't really address the receiver position at all. This is a team that I think is going to, to, to want to continue to run the ball and ride Aaron Jones. Uh, they'll go to Devonte when they have to, but then on the other side with Minnesota, you have a team that, Yes, they lost the Fanskis in Cleveland now, but you still have Kubiak and, and you still have Mike Zimmer. And we know the type of identity that, that this team wants to have. It's going to be a run first team. It's going to be a conservative team. Uh, this team was essentially the most uh, run heavy team in the league this out of Baltimore uh, last year. And uh, Stephon Diggs, big loss, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, seven, over 17 yards per catch. You know, that's not going to just be replaced by B.C. Johnson entering year two and uh, a rookie in Justin Jefferson. So, you know, their offense is going to take a little bit of a hit with uh, with Diggs being gone. And uh, these these are just two teams that I think divisional matchup. It's going to be a, a slugfest. And I think both of these coaches would honestly prefer it that way. So, uh, you know, they're you look back at, at uh, you know, kind of some trends and they back this up this, at home. Uh, Mike Zimmer, the unders are 29 and 19 uh, all time. That is a 60% hit rate. And you look at Aaron Rodgers in a division, the under is 37 and 28, 57%, including a perfect 6-0 and uh, last season. So, uh, you know, this is a spot that just kind of screams under. And I love getting the uh, uh, extra half point at, at 45 and a half. So under 45 and a half, divisional matchup, 45 and a half. Yep, I completely agree with you. I played this one as well. This was I was contemplating between the Jets under and this under. You know, I just to add on to your your Zimmer stats, he's fifteen and three to the under at home in division games. So, you know, the Vikings offensive line, four or five starters back, second year that Kubiak zone scheme. I think they're gonna be able to run the ball a lot. I mean the, the Packers didn't address the run defense and they drafted Kamal Martin and he was gonna start a rookie and he's hurt. Now you get Oren Burks in there. I know that the Vikings will have some success running the ball, but these two offenses they're both going to run the ball. They're both going to use multiple tight ends and a lot of tight end stuff. And both teams can cover tight ends. Both teams are familiar with each other. So, yeah, I think this is a grind fest. And then everything the Packers have done and how they drafted and they didn't address receiver, all the quotes out of camp, they're, they're, they're saying things like, we need to set up our passing with more logical plays early on in downs. And just me reading into it means that they're going to go the inefficient route of running the ball on like first down and then second down and then go play action when there's a lot of studies out there that show that it doesn't even matter like if you run it to do play action. So I think that that's, and this would make sense that the Packers drafted, like this would actually make their draft make sense if they're going to become like a high school power I team. So I think that the, the Packers are going to be really conservative, more conservative than they were. They really only have one receiver you got to stop. It's a really good one. And then, you know, the Vikings right now only really have one receiver you got to stop. Makes it a lot easier to defend an offense. A lot of tight ends, a lot of running in this game, a lot of clock moving. Um, so I, I completely agree with you here. All right. Now it's time for our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. For anyone who may be unfamiliar with teasers, essentially you, you get six extra points on the spread. Uh, you usually choose, you know, two or more different teams and uh, you can combine them into a, a bet, but essentially you're getting six extra points. So for example, uh, if you have the, if you're teasing the Ravens, uh, you know, they're eight and a half point favorites, you would be, they would only have to win by two and a half and then you'd have another bet and uh, you know, so on and so forth. And the same applies. So 
Um, we kind of do our favorite two-team teaser uh, each week, and uh, I'll start us off. I'm going Baltimore, uh, teasing them down from eight-and-a-half-point favorites to two-and-a-half against Cleveland, and then the Buffalo Bills, teasing them down from uh, six-and-a-half to uh, a half a point, which means essentially – uh, you know, for them to win the game against the New York Jets. Who are you going with, stuff? Yeah, uh, I agree with you on the Ravens. Now, if you aren't familiar with teasers, some people might say they're sucker bets. They're not. In the NFL, there's actually math behind when you have the edge over the book in certain situations, no matter what the teams are. I have a huge teaser guy that goes out every week. It'll explain all the math, so make sure you check that out on the Action app and actionnetwork.com. Basically, if you can tease, you know, down from around seven through seven and three or up from three and seven, it's – the ideal situation, you're crossing two key numbers. Your key numbers are 3, 4, 6, 7, 10, 14, a little less so. Um, so I never tease through zero, please. Um, my my tease this week is the Ravens, down to two and a half. I mean, my quick thoughts on this game, Ravens are my team. A lot of continuity. They bring a lot back. Love the staff, which I think really plays early on the season, as I mentioned before. Browns, I think I love their coaching changes, but a lot of coaching changes here. A lot High roster turnover, tons of defensive injuries. There's reports that Wills is struggling at left tackle. Their center, Trotter, just came back. Trotter just came back, so I don't even know if he's going to go or how effective will be. And then you have all these injuries in the secondary. And at linebacker, they are as – I mean, Mac Wilson's probably not going to play. They are so weak. Now, I get why you devalue the linebacker position in today's NFL. It makes sense. He played a lot more 560 backs. The team you don't want to have no linebackers and uh, against is the Ravens. Um, especially when you're going to a new defense and, you know, you have Delpit got hurt. Greedy Williams isn't going to go. Mac Wilson is hurt. There's just injuries all over this defense. Offensive line, trying to learn a new scheme. I think it will pay off eventually for the Browns, but I think the Ravens win this game. And then I'm going to tease the Falcons up from two, two, two and a half, up to eight, eight and a half. I make this line around a half a point. I make the Seahawks about a half a point favorite. So if I can get the Falcons over eight now, I'm going to take it. I love what the Seahawks did with Jamal Adams and, and in their secondary, it's going to be improved, but I think it's going to take some time and just follow the script. I mean, this is just a math play for me, but follow the script. The Seahawks will run the ball in the first half. They're going to be down and they're going to come back and Russell Wilson will lead them to a one possession victory. One possession <laughs> victory means they win by less than eight. So uh, I will take the Falcons. And if by some miracle they're up like 14 with three to go, you have a really good offense for a backdoor cover, which is another thing to just consider. I mean, you have Ryan throwing to Jones and against a softer defense with the lead. You have a quarterback that it's not like you have Darnold or Mitch Trubisky. They need to go down and get a touchdown. So uh, Ravens, Falcons. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I, I took the Seahawks at a pick, um, but yeah, you start getting nervous when they start having to win by, you know, a possession or more. So I'm totally with it. And then with the, going back to the Ravens, I actually like them to, to, to win big in this game. The, the, the Browns, just all the reports out of camp have been the offense has been looking just as shaky as it was under Kitchens. I mean, Baker Mayfield may just be a bigger problem, you know, than we think. And, you know, the reports are he's not really looking sharp in camp. And, and yeah, you got the injuries. Now, the one thing, uh, you know, Harbaugh's teams, as, as good as they've been, uh, they haven't always, you know, blown the doors off in the division. Uh, you know, when he's a division fave, uh, just 10 and 20 and one against the spread. So this could, you know, that's why uh, I'm taking him with the T's here, though I did take him, I think, at, at minus eight. So uh, maybe that, that's going to come back and bite me. But, um, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the Ravens will win handily in this game. Uh, and, uh, and just based on kind of what's going on with Cleveland, I, I don't think they'll be quite ready to start the season. All right, now it's time for our underdog money line parlay. 
Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, for anyone unfamiliar with this segment, what we do is we each pick our favorite Moneyline underdog, uh, and then we combine them into a parlay, and uh, we see if it hits. And, you know, it's for you guys out there. We, I know we hit a couple of big ones last year, so uh, Stuck, why don't you start us off? Who are you going with? It's ugly, uh, but it's, it's the dog, the home division dog in Washington football team. The Redskins are plus five and a half, over-unders 42 and a half. 43 is a key number now in the post-extra uh, point move back. So see if you can get a 43. I like the under there, and I like uh, the Redskins. See if you can get a six. I think that this is just going to be an ugly week one division game controlled by both defensive lines. The strength of the Redskins is their defensive line. I mean, Ryan Carrington's not even a starter. They added Chase Young. I mean, this team, the defense line is so deep. And this is the first time you have questions with the Eagles' offensive line. You lose two projected starters in Dillard and Brooks. You're playing musical chairs all through camp. Jason Peters, is he healthy? What's he have left at left tackle? I don't think he's going to be able to play the whole game. But he tends to get nicked up. If he gets nicked up, I mean, who's coming in to tackle? It is a bad situation. I think the Redskins' defensive line is going to make a number of plays here. And then – on the outside, I don't know if the Eagles can take advantage. Maybe Deshaun Jackson has a huge day, which is – he's done it before against the Redskins the last time he played. But, you know, Rager is, doesn't look like he's going to play. Jeffrey is, is hurt, and it's like you're back to last year's problem. You still have your tight ends. And on the other side of the, on the, other side of the ball, I – look, I'm putting myself out there because I don't believe in Darius Slay and what the Eagles did – in the offseason. Their linebackers are terrible. There's questions at safety. Their defensive line is great. If you believe in Slay, who's going to shut down a number one receiver like McLaurin, this Eagles defense can be good. I don't believe in Slay. I think he's over the hill past his prime. I think McLaurin will make enough plays. I mean, this game, I just think it's going to be ugly. I think it's like 17-13, 17-14. Look, the Eagles have a ton of injuries. Miles Sanders is even banged up. So give me the home division dog. Uh, it's going to come down to one or two plays by both of these defensive lines. Like who's going to turn it over is going to get a big strip sack. I'm lower on the Eagles in the market. So give me the skins plus 195. Antonio Gibson, baby might be the coming out party. I think that might've been Gibson. the biggest yep, thing him too. That the football team did, you know, when they released Adrian Peterson, it kind of signified that, okay, we're ready to play modern offense. And yeah. I think that's what hamstrung the Redskins and Dwayne Haskins and his development more than anything last year. So I expect, uh, a little bit of a jump from Haskins. I know I've been down on him, but I, I think, you know, throwing to the back more and throwing more high percentage passes instead of having to kind of have this Peterson in the backfield and then all of a sudden you're in third and long. Uh, I think that will actually help Haskins. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate this pick at all. I, it, it's ugly and, and my pick is just as ugly. Uh, I'm going with Miami plus 245 at New England. I mean, you have it all in this one. You have the McDaniels without – Tom Brady, he's been awful. You have the first real uh, Belichick without Brady. You have the question marks of Cam Newton with these horrible receivers who can't separate, and Cam's always been an inaccurate guy. You have Cam Newton that hasn't been able to run in in a year and a half and, you know, hasn't been live tackled. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. I mean, just all these different situations. You have the Belichick disciple uh, in, in Brian Flores. You have Belichick struggling in week one and the Patriots generally using the early season to feel things out. And, and, you know, they, they usually kick into gear, you know, in October or November. So uh, it's everything here is just ripe for an upset. The only better thing would have been if this game was in Miami because the Patriots seem to lose in Miami every year, but 
Uh, you know, because they were in Foxborough, you're getting plus 245 odds at BetMGM. Uh, those are pretty long odds. Uh, so I love it. And, and I love this parlay. Two of the worst teams in the league we have here. If you bet $100 with the Washington football team at plus 195 and the Miami Dolphins at plus 245, uh, that is a payout of $918 for a total payout uh, of betting 100 and getting back $1,018. So uh, this is a 10 to 1 parlay. We are back. It's week one. Let's do it. I love it. Washington and Miami week one. It's so scary. I mean, I, I don't like looking at Washington too long. I look at the left side of their offensive line with Christian and West Martin. I look at their D-backs. Like, Ronald Darby's going to start a corner for them. He was a cast off from the Eagles. Troy Appy's now starting safety. But I don't look too much into it. Throw a couple pesos on it. Uh, I'm ready to go. All right. Now we're going to do the best of the rest, which is the games that we have not hit in any other segment. So first up, Stuck, we got Tampa Bay plus three and a half at New Orleans. The majority of the bets and money on the Buccaneers, the total 48 and a half. Uh, That's been dropping uh, the large majority, uh, nearly 90% uh, of the bets and money coming in on the over. So we have a little bit of a reverse line move on the total. Thoughts on this game stuff? Yeah, I mean, look, I, mean, I don't need to go into Brady and everything the Bucks are doing. We'll be talking about them a lot this year. Um, by the way, the, the Patriots, some of the narrative around them struggling in Miami was because Brady hated the humidity when well, he's playing in Tampa. But I, I think this line is getting – the love for Tampa is getting a little too out of hand. I make it Saints minus 4.2.3-ish. So I would, if I get the Saints minus 3 – at home here, um, I'm taking them. The thing is to watch, the Bucks defense had an enormous jump. They went from one of the worst to one of the best last year. Now, Todd Bowles came and did a great job with his 3-4. They have the bodies up front, big bodies. They eat blocks. They're going to be good against the run. But, I mean, being great against the run on defense, it's only going to get you so far in the NFL. Historically speaking, there's big regression for these secondaries that have big jumps like this. And they have a lot of young guys. Now you're going against Sanders and maybe the best receiver in the NFL, Mike Thomas, is I want to see how the secondary performs. What does Brady look like early in this new offense? He's going to get hit, I think, uh, early and often. So I think the Bucks' love is getting a little too out of hand here. So I'll be hunting for a Saints uh, minus three or maybe, you know, like a pick live early. Uh, but pregame, as of right now, nothing for me. Yeah, I actually took the Bucks at plus five when it first opened, but now it's kind of right where I think it should be. How do these guys hold up for the whole year? We got the oldest quarterback yep. matchup in NFL history. So uh, these are two teams that I'm going to kind of be monitoring uh, throughout the year. But uh, I, I could see I could see some uh, you know value on that under because I think these teams will come out and kind of play very efficiently, but I don't know if they'll necessarily light up the scoreboard uh, in week one. I think there might be some conservative – a little bit of conservative – Tiveness, um, you know, with these two. So now, I could see kind of a contrarian underplay, but it's totals dropping. So, yeah, nothing nothing really stands out at this point. Uh, next game, Indiana. Uh, before, you, before you move on, I, I do want to just say this: there might be a game that is that went down in fantasy lore, I don't know, for like DFS players. But la- last year in week three, Mike Evans, this is against Janoris Jenkins, who's one of the Saints starting corners when he played for the Giants. In single, when he was in single coverage against Janoris Jenkins, he had seven catches for 176 yards and three touchdowns in week three last year. 
I'm interested to see how often Mike Evans uh, gets matched up with Janoris Jenkins and how much Janoris Jenkins is shaking in his boots. It's a, it's a totally different quarterback, though. So, like, Jameis Winston, he'll let it fly. I don't know if Brady's kind of – Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see. Yeah. They, they, he's had such a, a different type of receiving core in New England. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, nothing, nothing really at three and a half. Took it at five. You like it at three for the Saints. Uh, Indianapolis, minus seven and a half at the Jacksonville Jaguars. About two-thirds of the bets and money coming in on the Colts. The total's 44 and a half with the majority, the large majority, about three-quarters uh, of the bets and even more of the money on the under in this one. I mean, this game's gross. Um, you're sp- I'm supposed to take the Jags. I don't know if I will or not. You know, it's, again, it's a division home dog catching over a touchdown in week one. I make it like 6-8, mm-hmm. uh, 6-7, 6-8. So you're obviously getting over a touchdown, there's some value there. And, you know, I, w- I want to see how Rivers looks. Uh, the scary thing is, like, the Colts running against this defense, which was so bad against the run last year. The only one that was good against the run was, like, Calais Campbell. I mean, he's gone. And they've let everyone go. They, this whole defense is brand new. Um, so, yeah, there's questions all over the Jags roster. They're obviously just in complete rebuild mode. But it's this is like the week that you would get the most inspired effort from the Jags. Everyone is just saying how much they suck. So, if, you, if you're going to back the Jags, you're getting over seven at home uh, against the Colts. This might be the week. Or, I mean, maybe they just are that bad and they're, they're, they're going to be like the Dolphins and their lines get out of hand then they start covering. Uh, um, value-wise, it's the Jags. I won't bet the Colts. If you want to tease the Colts, mathematically, it's a good play. I'll contemplate the Jags all weekend, maybe play them, but it's Jags or nothing over seven. Yeah, I took the Jags plus eight when the line first opened. Uh, I just think – that as an underdog uh, going against Philip Rivers, uh, I like those odds just because, you know, we, we, we know the Colts will be able to run, but if Philip Rivers at any point has to make a play in this game, he's liable to turn it over pretty much more than any quarterback in the league with Jameis Winston now, you know, as a, as a backup. So uh, that's the one thing that can swing games more than, and swings and swing spreads more than anything else is, is turnovers. So, Phillip Rivers, don't necessarily trust him. And this goes, you know, going forward, too, because I think the Colts have an easy schedule and they're going to be favored a lot. Uh, you know, don't, don't trust Phillip Rivers in these spots. It would be my advice. So, yeah, tease, tease down maybe uh, would be the best way to go with this one. And then we have the Chargers, three-point favorites at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, just over half of the money and bets on the Bengals. The total, 43 and a half. Uh, 75% of the bets and, and pretty much all of the money on the under in this one. Yeah, under key number 43. So if you, I, I actually like the under here. I just, I, I'm going to, I think the Chargers are going to be an under team until the market mm-hmm. corrects them into like, you know, Jets territory. You know, do you have Burrow excitement? But he's a rookie quarterback without preseason, without everything going into a new system. And I know there's exciting weapons, but the offensive line, tons of questions against a great defensive line off the edge. And you have, a Chargers offensive line that has a lot of questions and Pouncey might not go at center this week. So I think this is a, te- a game where the defensive lines could dominate the line of scrimmage. I think Burrow's going to struggle early on, you know, especially against a team like the Chargers in week one. And the Chargers have good corners and it's going to take Burrow, you know, at least a couple quarters to get into it here. And then I think on the other side, the Chargers are just going to be, in my mind, this ball control. We're going to run the ball ton. I mean, it's, it's Tyrod Taylor. He's not going to throw picks but he's not going to throw 70-yard touchdowns. He's going to run it a bunch. 
He's going to keep the clock moving. He's not going to have a bad pick six, which is a killer for an under. So I think the Chargers are going to rely on their defense. They're going to try to win games like 20 to 17, 17 to 14. And then with, I think, what's going to be some struggles early in Cincy with Burrow just getting up to speed, reading, you know, these NFL defenses, and then the, the Bengals offensive line has questions. So this, I think, is a good week one under. But, again, 43 is a key number, so – Make sure you uh, grab that or hunt that out if you if you like it. Yeah, I thought about this under, but kind of something in the back of my head keeps saying, if there's any quarterback that's going to kind of – we're just going to be completely wrong about in week one, it's probably Joe Burrow. Like, he's got the talent to just come out just gunning. And, like, you know, they haven't seen any film on him in the NFL. So, you know, if there's anyone that's going to come out and just, like, put up 28 on you before you even blink, uh, you know, just kind of a long shot, it's Burrow. And I do worry about – you know, I, I also kind of thought about the, the Bengals as a, as a money line uh, pick as well because I, I think there's just kind of some uncertainty here with Burrow, and, and I don't think there's that uncertainty with, with Tyrod. It's like we kind of know what we're going to get. I don't expect Tyrod to come out and put up 35. So um, I'm not sure how I'm attacked this game yet, uh, but uh, I, I do think Burrow, it, it could kind of go – it could kind of go really good to really bad, and that, that kind of influences how you bet this game. That's fair. All right, we're going to wrap it up with our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, man. This is, this is, the, this is the, the good stuff here. We're trying to stay alive in our Survivor Pool. We're kind of just going 1v1 here. I actually stayed alive to the end last year. I think so, – what team killed you last year? It was some ridiculous – The Chiefs against the Colts when oh, like – yeah. I had that in, 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 in like actual, I was, I bet the chief money line in that game. So I'm, I'm with you, but uh, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I look up and down the slate and there's not a lot of like truly confident bets. So I'm going with the Steelers against the giants. Uh, and this is, yeah, this is a spot where the Steelers sometimes on the road, sometimes they're iffy, but you look on Monday night football, they've been pretty good. They're 16 and two under Tomlin on Monday night. I just think their, their defense is a mismatch for the New York giants. I think Daniel Jones will turn the ball over too much. I think you're going to get enough out of Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, to, you know, over what you would have gotten out of, you know, the guys on that team last year uh, to, to, to get a win against the Giants in week one. I don't hate it. It's a tough week. Um, I have a Survivor Peace article out on uh, Action Network. Check that out. I basically plan out my entire Survivor strategy. Now, they can change with injuries and teams are better or worse, but – just planning out, okay, I want to be a little riskier earlier in the year. I basically want to save, like, the Ravens and the Chiefs mm-hmm. until, like, week 9 or 10 when most people would have used them now and by then. And if I can survive to then, I can have the Ravens and Chiefs. I can, And you want to use them before week 16 and 17 in case they've locked some things up. But that's my approach. So I, I'm, a little, I'm a little riskier earlier in the season um, and then just try to get by and save the elite teams in my back pocket. So my pick for week 1 it's actually not that risky, but I have a couple coming up, which it will be on future podcasts. But my, my pick for week one is the Bills uh, against the Jets. Very comfortable mm-hmm. with the assumption that the Bills are going to win this game. And, you know, I, I look at their schedule, and it's not like there's a ton of complete locks for this team. So I'm okay looking at their schedule when they match up with other teams using the Bills here. Weeks two through four, I might take a little – the chance is a little bit of teaser, but I, I'm, I'm using the Bills here in week one. A tough week. There's no double-digit spreads. Yeah, no, I, the Bills were kind of my second choice. I, I just kind of went with the quarterback that I thought was a little less likely to turn it over, although I don't know. Been, been on the road, maybe not. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm right there, which I 
took the bills in a number of other spots in this pod. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if we survive. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. You can find Stuck on Twitter at Stucky2 and in the same handle on the Action Network app. You can find me at Chris Raybon on Twitter and the Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our great NFL betting and fantasy content. Till next week, let's get this money. Loot. We're finished talking.